We depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have to close those beaches. We're, finished. we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. I mean, we're going to have to tell the Coast Guard. Mr. Ford, we're going to have to get shark repellent. We're going to have to put extra deputies on because every have to the world is going to come here. I don't think one of you are familiar with our problems. I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Now, wait a second, wait a second. There are two ways to deal with this problem. You're either going to kill this animal or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. Bro. That's it. Goodbye. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch. I'm going to see you later. Oh, no, please don't do this. He's not Mr. Vaughn, what we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Now, why don't you take a long, close look at this sign? Those proportions are correct. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Larry, Larry, if we make an effort today, oh, we might man. be able to save August. August? <laughs> for Christ's sake, tomorrow's the 4th of July, and we will be open for business. It's going to be one of the best summers we've ever had. Now, if you fellas are concerned about the beaches, you do whatever you have to to make them safe. But those beaches will be open for this weekend. So welcome once again to another episode of Seven Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me, uh, he's solid gold. He's got the goods. They stand when they walk through your neighborhood. He's Jeffrey X. Martin. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Much better after that awesome introduction. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. How's it going? I'm doing fine, man. How are you? Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But not, not not that great of an introduction, but, you know, she knows I love her probably the most. You know, I don't want to hurt her feelings or anything, but uh, Miss Jamie Sammons is here. Yay! Hi, guys. And I, so is X a solid gold dancer? Is that what you're saying? Because, uh... If you could fit the skimpy outfits, <laughs> you know. I didn't, I never saw Marilyn McCoo introduce him, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, 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 when did he, uh, him, 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 him and Cootie do behind bedroom doors, I don't know. Let me run get the spandex bodysuit real quick out the closet. Get my <laughs> you Denny. feel like you're going on the running man then. Get my Denny Terrio on. 
if you guys have never seen uh, Break My Stride on the performance that they did on Solid Gold, look that shit up because that is one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, it's classic. <laughs> very, very nice. Um, yeah, I'll start with Jamie. What have you been watching lately, girl? Uh, um, the hell have I been watching? Oh, well, we've been trying to wrap up some end-of-the-year stuff uh, because we're recording uh, our uh, ABCs, uh, the one, two, threes of ABCs for the our top ten horror movies of 2016. So we've been trying to squeeze in some last-minute selections. So I think I talked about that on the last show, like some of the stuff that we had watched for that. And we've just been uh, doing some more of that. I watched uh, this really good Iranian movie called uh, Under the Shadow, which um, uh, if you don't mind subtitles, uh, check it out. I, I think it's it's solidly creepy, but it has a really nice social commentary that goes along with it. And uh, I think it works on a whole lot of levels. So um, the takeaway is to check that out. And if I didn't mention it last time, I can't remember if I'd watched it before our last recording. But if I didn't mention it before, then I also recommend The Autopsy of Jane Doe. That is an excellent film. And uh, trying to talk Brian into going to see the new Underworld movie, but <laughs> he, he's not so keen on it. Um, can't say neither, I'm really, but... Not, neither is Willis. Willis didn't like it very much. and he was Yeah, forced, I've pretty he much heard to... the same thing. He was forced to go see it in 3D, which was he was he wasn't having fun either. Yeah, <laughs> I pretty much heard the same thing from all the reviewers, but um, you know, liking it is going to be coming back this month, and I thought, yes. you know, well, that would be an interesting way to bring it back. There are lichens in it, um, but I don't know if I'll make it in time to see that before I end up doing the show. So, but anyway, yeah, that's something. Um, liking it will be making its. Redebut this month. It's coming out in January. So, um, we'll clap for so you. check that out. Well, thank you. <laughs> my my New Year's resolution is I'm going to write more and I'm going to get back into podcasting more because I have let my creativity slip and that is no good for the soul. No bueno. <laughs> Jeffrey X, how about you, sir? Um, I got to watch the. Vinegar Syndrome release of The Undertaker, which is one of Joe Spinell's last movies. It never really got released, and this version actually, they've inserted some scenes from a work print VHS to make sure it's the most complete version of that film available. And it's really interesting, not because it's a great movie, because um, it's not, but Spinell's just over the top in it. It's just crazy. He's he breaks the fourth wall a lot, just stares into the camera, and he's kind of effeminate and weird. So, yeah, just his performance, it's worth watching that movie for. It's pretty great. Um, that and, you know, I'm still trucking through Supernatural. I think I'm on season nine, finally. With There's, like, what, 400 seasons of that show? It's been on since I was born, I think. So just got just got renewed too. Sweet, that thing's never gonna fucking end. Um, so yeah, I I know that's like a very young adult sort of sort of show, but I just I just, I it's compelling. I can't stop watching it. I think it's great. So I, I, I dig it, man. Castiel is uh he's the shit. Amazing, yes. He's one of the best. He's one of the best characters I've ever seen on a TV show. 
Castiel and uh, oh, dude, what's what's um, I, I had his name in my brain too. The 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 the, the guy that runs hell run around with him all the time. Oh, now. Crowley. Yeah, Crowley's amazing. He's yeah, he's amazing. really great. <laughs> Oh, how did I forget his name? I'm so fucking stupid. I watched the show more than you did, probably. It's crazy. <laughs> so Sam and Dean, Sam and Dean are dreaming. What else have you been watching, sir? Uh, that's really pretty much it. I've just been I've been binging Supernatural while I work. So it's easy to do. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of it to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you guys doing Supernatural for a short time on uh, Evil episodes, uh, Jamie? We delved into it a little bit, and. Uh... I would like to get back into that. Uh, we barely touched it. Um, and, of course, now we've moved on. Since we finished Tales from the Dark Side, we've moved on to Masters of Horror. So, um, I don't know. Maybe uh, eventually down the road we'll start that show again. I was kind of waiting for it to end. So, <laughs> we know how long we had, but it just <laughs> keeps going. So it's never going to end. It's still going, man. I don't know. I mean, we can't really – I don't know. Can you really retrospect a show that's still on the air? So, I, I don't know. Did you get to, to the, the kick-ass uh, Dorothy Wizard of Oz episode yet, Derek? You know what? I just watched that yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, my favorite episodes ever is that one. That's re- Yeah, that one's really fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Me, myself, I've been watching a lot of Blu-rays that I bought over the past couple months, so a lot of rewatches. Uh, I'll just throw it out there. Return of the Living Dead Blu-ray looks phenomenal from Screen Factory, as does the thing. Uh, I broke out my, my Shout Factory, Eddie and the Cruisers 2-pack. That's always fun to watch, if you like... Uh, Bruce Springsteen ripoffs, and I, and I do. <laughs> oh my god! What else? I just want to oh. say. I just want to say three words: Beaver Brown Band. Okay, yes, indeed. That's all. <laughs> On the dark side, yes, indeed. That parade's dreamy too. I gotta give him that. You know, gives them my feelings about Streets of Fire. It's 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 there. It's it's in it's in my soul. The fire. You know. <laughs> that that is an acceptable man crush. <laughs> Oh, what else? Um, hockey, you know that's that's a thing in my life right now because the Hawks are in first place, so I'm I'm happy about that. Um, anything new? I've been watching a ton of new stuff. I've been, I've been meaning to go to the movies to go see that Star Wars thing, but it it hasn't happened yet. So we'll we'll see uh, if I do that. I just go watch regular Donnie and movies at home and just wait. <laughs> oh my god. But um, yeah, I haven't watched much else. A lot of a lot of TV watching, and I won't get into all that. But let's get into now our beeps of the week. <laughs> Jamie, I know you got a major major beef with you with uh what you got going on you know with water and stuff but do you have any other beefs of the week girl um i've been pretty much even keeled as i I know that's going to be a shock to people (laughs) um one thing that set me off but i've already had that beef um earlier this week a friend of mine posted again about you know the coming snow and then you got and and i'm like god damn it people same guy (laughs) Same, this guy cannot make a post without somebody being a smartass on there. And I just, I feel like I almost sent him a message. I mean, he's a, like a, he was a personal friend. He came to my wedding and I, I 
want to be like, look, dude, you got to get some new friends. <laughs> These guys are assholes. <laughs> but anyway, no, um, this week, I, nothing's really made me angry, I guess. Um, so that's, you know, that's a first, I guess, but I'll go with it. You know, start off the new year without being overly upset about stupid things. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Jeff X. Yeah. You know that thing where people post kind of surreal statuses on Facebook and then you comment on them and the original poster messages you and they're like, ah, you responded. Now you got to change your profile picture to something else for a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cut that shit out. I'm not doing it. I mean, I hate it. I, I do weird shit, so I'm constantly looking for people who do the same weird shit that I do. Like, I like to eat peanut butter on hot dogs. I know that sounds gross. I think it's I think it tastes really good. So, you know, if someone posts, you know, hey, I like to eat peanut butter on hot dogs, I'm like, hey, that's cool. I do that too. But no, now I'm going to change my fucking profile picture to Christopher Reeve or some shit just to, like, enhance you know, horseback riding awareness. I think it's stupid. I just want to talk to people, man. I mean, I'm not real social in real life, but that's why I'm on social media. That's how I'm social. So if I post on your page and you fucking trap me with some kind of ridiculous chore, I'm pissed. And it kind of makes the original poster look like an asshole. You know, you want to support something, that's fine. Just fucking say it, but don't lure people onto your page like like an anglerfish so you can swallow their, their good intentions and guilt them into doing something stupid. I agree. And, and I, I never, I never, I never do the stupid thing because I refuse to. I'm not going to then trap people on my Facebook because, like, usually it's like, and now you have to post one of these things, you know, like, uh, like ran out of toilet paper, there go my socks or whatever. I mean, it's just, right. And I'm not, I'm not doing it all because I cared enough to give a damn about what someone else posted, you know. And then you get Actually, you get Shanghai. It's almost like online indentured servitude. No, I ain't your bitch. I, I gotta ask you a personal question. Did you actually put peanut butter on hot dogs? Because as a Chicagoan, you know, I, I I can't allow it, man. You know, you need to try it, brother. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not. No, if, if you come here, if you come, if you come here, I won't <laughs> let you do it. You know, I won't do we, it. We in, I won't do it in your presence. But yeah, that but, is something that I do. We don't put ketchup on our hot dogs, okay? I don't, I don't know peanut butter either, okay? <laughs> Telling you, you're missing. I might out. try it. You're I missing know. out. It's kind of it's so, kind of that that sweet savory thing. It's got an interesting texture. I like it. So somebody tried to put peach salsa on my hot dog once. I slapped their hand as hard as I could. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not hey, understandable. This restaurant back home used to have a burger called the Tupelo Burger. It was uh, inspired by Elvis Presley, and it was a, a burger with peanut butter on it. And I got to tell you, that shit was good. So I'd be willing to try a hot dog with peanut butter. Well, I got to have my standards, yo, and that's uh, that's my beep of the week. Jeffrey X. Martin is a <laughs> bastard. No, I wouldn't, do that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No, uh, my beep of the week is... um. Chicago, it fucking sucks. You know, last year we we really raised the bar on that murder rate, and now we got morons uh, kidnapping special needs people and torturing them in their house. Oh and, man, and oh. posting yeah. posting it to Facebook. You know, you, you know the good thing about that is that when morons do moronic things, morons then get that is the uh, that's the only good thing about that is they got themselves busted. But 
I would that that is one thing that really made me angry this week. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> it, is, it is reprehensible. You know what? They they made this video. They put their faces in the video, and they're being held without bond. And they tried to go to the mother and try to get money to get the, to to release their son, like three hundred three hundred dollars. Okay, what is three hundred dollars worth? You know, I don't know the ten to fifteen they're probably going to do for this. My favorite was the grandmother of the girl who was actually taking the video, and she was like, "Well, my granddaughter is a really sweet girl. This isn't what she's like." Well, bullshit. You know, <laughs> I mean, clearly it is. Oh, that's terrible. I, that's that's a you know, I don't get really crazy political on this thing, but this is about humanity and how you treat people, and that's how you treat people. I, I don't care what your political views are. Well, if that was their true intentions to go against Trump and white people, you know, I don't know, but you make an ass out of yourself. You know, you just yeah. This this is why I kind of endorse you know gangsters killing gangsters because it kind of thins the herd a little bit of idiots like that. I feel sorry for their mothers. That that's that's about it. But that that's yeah. Go 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 guns. Put put them in the hands of more stupid people. You know, because odds are they're going to shoot themselves in the foot or something. So instead of morons, <laughs> you're looking for lessons. Lessons, yes. <laughs> After school special lessons. No, but yeah, no, no other real beefs here. <clears throat> besides, I'm pretty I'm pretty content. Besides, you know, general. Me flying off the handle about stuff, but you know, that's a uh, that's three times a week. So I'm I'm not even going to get into that stuff. That's a that's a piece of my psyche. You guys will probably never know, and I'm fine with that. But tonight, yeah, we uh, I chose I put it to my co-host and Johnny Crew was supposed to be here. And he's supposed to record something about the film that he chose, and uh, that should be coming when that review happens. But I basically put it to my co-host to say choose an actor or actress in a role. That basically made you feel wishy-washy or like wary about the person, you know, as as a person and as a, and as as the role, pretty much for the rest of their career. And uh, we'll see how that worked out. And I think we'll 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 do Jamie's first. I think just 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 to get get this uh, crazy Detroit ghetto stuff out of the way. <laughs> Jamie, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Trey. We're gonna we're we're gonna roll right through. What did you choose to tell the people? I chose Eight Mile, and that uh, actually it just sort of fell in my lap. Um, we had a friend over, and she wanted to watch Eight Mile, and it turns out Brian had never seen it. And this was the very night that I was trying to come up with something to do for the show, and I'd been thinking about all these different things. And I was like, "Fucking a, that's it! I'll do Eight Mile for Brittany Murphy of all people." And it's only because. Previous to that film, she had done things like Clueless, um, you know, whatever. I don't know. It was just that that's the kind of role that I was used to seeing her in. And then um, she comes along and does Eight Mile. And for whatever reason, and bless her heart, I know I hate to speak ill of the dead. My grandmother would be rolling over in her grave right now because she always hated that. But and I'm not I don't didn't know her personally. I have nothing against her personally, but after this role, I could not see her as anything other than a trashy whore. I I just couldn't. And no matter what she was in, no matter what she was doing, it just that's how I pictured her after this role. And it just kind of ruined her for me. You know, it was very sad because then she of course had a very early untimely death and and that is a sad thing, but I just never felt the same about her again. And I, I don't, I, I don't, 
can't put my finger on exactly why, because I'm usually able to divorce myself from that sort of thing. But for whatever reason, after this movie, that was it. That was it. That was Brittany Murphy in my head. And I just couldn't shake it. Hashtag. Ooh, sorry. Hashtag white girl problems. See what happens here? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I think of Brittany I think about her screaming to get some fucking coles from, from the nursing girl interrupted, you know. But uh, that's that's just me. But the, the film in question is is Eight Mile, and it stars one Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, if you know who that is. And it's, it's a slew of other people. Kim Basinger's in this movie. Michael Shannon surprised the hell out of me being in this movie. I, I, I hadn't seen him nothing this early before until now. Uh, Falcon. I say and, the first thing I saw him in was Bug. Oh, was that the Ashley Judd joint? Yeah, I, it was either that or maybe something right before that. But I, I didn't. At, when I saw this movie, I didn't know who he was. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have known either. I know, I know who he is now. That's why I recognize them. And uh, one Anthony Mackie, who people know as Falcon from those Marvel films, he's in this film as well. Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer, who he mentions in the song, you know, which is why he doesn't perform the song in the movie because that'd be awkward, I guess. But I did get my wish. Yeah. Well, it With was, those, it was, he's rocking those <laughs> those braids. I did get my prediction. My my prediction before I see seen the film. It wasn't a dingy notebook. He was just writing lyrics down on dirty paper, and uh, that was close enough for me. You know, a lyric montage. But basically, you know what's funny is um, I was really surprised that Brian had never seen this film, um, being where he's from, and also just because he went. Briefly to the same high school that Eminem went to. I don't think they ever shared any classes or anything. Eminem's a little bit older than him. But his Brian's best friend continued to go to that school. And um, he actually had English with Marshall Mathers before Marshall Mathers was Eminem. And uh, he's, I guess when his, uh, when he first hit it big, like it first came out, he was sitting around with his girlfriend and uh, who they then became married. But at the time it was his girlfriend and he's like, Hey, I know that guy. I went to school with him. And she's like, you're so full of shit. And he's like, no, I went to school with him. He was in English with me. He used to draw, he used to draw naked girls in notebooks all day. <laughs> so you can say and, he lost, he, he lost himself at the moment then. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, dreaming about mom's spaghetti. There you go. But uh, <laughs> but so it really surprised me that Brian had never seen that film. And uh, incidentally, uh, his friend, his best friend, who actually did have classes with him, hasn't seen it either. He, like, flat out refuses. Brian just never got around to it and wasn't really all that interested. I think there may be may have been a I'm not sure how they're going to portray Detroit. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to be accurate. So uh, I don't really want to step into that hole kind of thing, which I can understand. But um, when we watched it, he was like, oh, you know, it wasn't bad. Um, it was it's very formulaic. I mean, it's basically like any other movie, uh, like, I don't know, Cowboy Ugly, even. Uh, it's just or not Cowboy, uh, Coyote Ugly, um, where, you know, person tries, person fails, person redeems themselves in the end kind of thing. It's just it's extremely formulaic. But. I do get some enjoyment out of it, and I really do enjoy the rap battles. Um, and now that I live here in Michigan, I am interested even more in how things were. And uh, I don't know. I just and and the and places and like seeing and spotting different places when I watch movies that take place in Detroit or take place in other parts of Michigan. So I. 
it interests me even more now than it did initially when I saw it. Gotcha. Uh, in case you didn't know, this is a film about Marshall Mathers, who play, play, plays a uh, an aspiring uh, blue-collar rap battle specialist uh, named Rabbit, who uh, lives in a trailer and has, you know, trailer park problems. You know, he has a, a kid and, I guess, an estranged girlfriend. I guess, I don't know if that's baby mom or what it is, because Taryn Manning always looks a little skanky to me and everything she ever did. So I, I couldn't tell you for sure. Falls in love with Brittany Murphy, fucks Brittany Murphy in, in, in Auto Plant, and uh, rap battles again. I don't know. It's 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 one of those ghetto type films that either works for you or it don't. And I'm gonna stick it to X and ask him what he thought about the film. Well, this is a first time watch for me too. I'd never seen it, you know. <clears throat> and that's I I figured it was just gonna be. It's it's literally the Eminem show, so I just didn't really feel a huge compulsion. To watch it, I think it's interesting, Jamie, that you picked Brittany Murphy as the person that you know was kind of iffy for you because I think the thing that really bothered me about this movie is there's not a likable female character in the whole fucking thing. There's not. That's true. That's that's very true. Well, the, his little sister is that his sister <laughs> or is that his daughter? Because that was never made sister. clear. Okay, they never really cleared that up for me. Yeah, she's not a terrible person. She's seven. <laughs> But his mother is terrible. Brittany Murphy is terrible. The Taryn Manning is like, oh, I'm pregnant. And then she's like, why'd you leave? <laughs> what? Seriously? I left you the car. So, so it's just, you know, this this is really kind of a cinematic version of bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. I don't know. That kind of bothered me. There's also There's also some homophobia in this movie, which, you know, that's prevalent in hip-hop culture anyway so i didn't hate the movie i liked the rap battles quite a bit actually that last one was just devastating i was so happy with that why the fuck would you make your rapper named papa doc why would you name yourself after the dictator of haiti i don't understand anything anymore um but yeah just this this does not paint women in a good light at all so you could have picked any of the three adult women in this film been like, oh yeah, that's, I don't like them anymore. Well, I already, I, by the time this film came out, I already knew Kim Basinger was a bitch. So, um, <laughs> that, uh, she, she actually, I, I have some personal experience with her, um, because her mother lives in Athens or she's from Georgia. Her mother still lives in Athens and, uh, you'd see him around on occasion. Um, I actually saw her and Alec Baldwin at a pool, uh, one time and I just left, they just, I just leave them alone, let them do their thing. But, um, she just is notorious for being like really bitchy. And, um, so I've, I've never really cared for her on a personal level anyway. So that, that's not going to change. Um, I mean, I'm watching this movie going, that's about right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, on a scale of, from her to Danielle Harris, which one do you hate the most? I think. Oh, you know? Oh, now, now, uh, Daniel Harris, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working my hands here. Wow. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you're absolutely right. There is no redeemable female character in this film whatsoever. And I, 
I do, however, think that that's just because that's not what the film's about. I mean, like they, this is how, I mean, this is from his point of view, from their, from the point of view of these guys who this is their life. And these are the kind of women that they're surrounded with in this. And at least, I mean, we only really see three. So, um, and one of them, we see her for about a minute. Um, so it's just, his life is more consumed by, the men that he is surrounded by. And I think that's probably, and well, I mean, there, there is his mother, but clearly she is not, um, she's not that all that stellar, but, or at all stellar. Although she does at the end, you know, she gets, she's when she wins bingo, (laughs) she wins bingo. She and makes him pancakes. (laughs) She makes him fucking pancakes. What these fucking pancakes are not. And then she says, you know what? You should really do this by yourself because I've got $3,600 now. I ain't giving you shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, in well, her case, fellatio pancakes because she made a point to mention that, that, that uh, <laughs> her, her boyfriend oh, would not go God. down on her. Yeah. You know? That was so funny. I mean, he's just like, because we're watching this and Brian's like, why? Why would you ever? Why? Why? <laughs> Don't ever say that to your son. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just glad we have eight mel to thank for Get Rich or Die Trying. Yes. Well the the one the one big difference between Get Rich and Die Trying and Eight Mile, I think, is that Rabbit is is literally trying to make moves to, to, to better himself, to get away from these children he's hanging out with and to go blue collar in, in a respectable way. Because throughout the film, he, he's he's good at the rap battling thing, and he may have a career in it. But in the end of the film, he chooses to go the other way because he figures out there's more of a future in, in uh, pressing uh, – were they pressing hoods in that auto plan or pressing something? Pressing bumpers, yeah. Pressing bumpers than it is, you know, trying to, trying to be a rapper, which is respectable. Cause... I love that he goes back to work at the end of the rap battle. He's like, you know, you guys uh, – he's like, I got to go back to work. He's going to go finish his shift. And he's been working so hard to get these extra shifts, and the guy gives him an extra shift on just so happens to be on the night when he's got to go do this major rap battle. He gets someone to cover for him, but he goes right back to work after that. And I just – I love his character. I really do. I mean he makes some missteps, and, and he has some uh, – he's not perfect, but I do think he's really trying. And uh, you know, coming up where he was coming up, it's hard to do um, – you know, and those were the day. I mean, I mean, it used to be the days when you when you got a job doing something like that, then you were fucking set. I mean, if you were in Detroit and you were working for an auto shop, like or you know, building cars, that was what you did for the rest of your life. I mean, you waited for that call, and when you got that call, you knew this was your career. Only now, I think he was working for because Brian and I were talking about this because Brian used to do. I mean, he used to work for one of the big three, and he was saying that. Um, he thinks that the shop he was working for is a non-union shop. So basically he's not making very much money. Um, like if you worked for a union shop, you'd make really good money. You had really good benefits. But um, I'm like, shouldn't he – because I was like, shouldn't he be a little better along? I mean if he's if he's got a job like this, it seems like he'd be doing a little bit better. And then he's like, well, if he's working for a non-union shop, which it looks like he is, then he's probably not making dick. I mean he's barely making over minimum wage likely. So um, – well, they made a point to say that he just he had just started there. Yeah, he did, and um, 
and you get the you get the impression that he was kind of a fuck up in the beginning or or like when he first started maybe that because the the shop foreman is not a fan of his um I guess he comes in well because he came in late that one day and I guess he'd done it before so he almost lost his job and and it just so then you see at the end he is completely uh, he has a completely different view of what he wants to do and I respect that I think that's that's a nice turn for his character. And like I said, it's very formula. I mean, it's all, you know, it's flash dance. Um, it's any movie at all that you can think of where something like that happens. <laughs> kind of is. Kind of is. Um, except, yeah, it is. I mean, hell, Ed, except he didn't sleep with Michael Nury. So. <laughs> no, he, he did not sleep with Michael Nury. <laughs> That's a damn shame, too. He, he just banged Brittany Murphy in an auto plant and then watched somebody else bang her inside a recording booth, you know, but that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. incredibly deep, you know, it tells the same message that tons of movies have told before, but, uh, like both Ike at the and same Tina. time, I think it's interesting. I think it's entertaining and I do love the rap battles. I mean, you it's, know. it's realistic though. Like you mentioned the ending, it was a very responsible move for him to say this, this probably isn't going to work out for me, but I have a sure thing here. So, have fun playing, fellas. I'm going to go back to work now. I and mean, that's that's respectable. Yeah, he didn't run off and go to New York, you know, or something. I, I will not hear you diss the name of Tony Monero in my presence, you know, because Satan's Alley is the shit, you know. Yes. Stay, stay alive. Frank Stallone. Your argument's invalid. Not playing. <laughs> no argument from me, sir. Oh, my God. But yeah, I can see why. Uh, yeah, Brittany Murphy turned you off because she's your cl- your classic clingy cling on ghetto fabulous trashy chick- whore. She's a trashy whore. <laughs> I was gonna say chicken head, but you you, you can go nuts, you know. <laughs> chicken head or cluck or uh, hoochie, if you will, you know. I'm sure she's been called all these things in this ghetto. I'm just throwing it out there. She had to go see her brother, though. You know, that's how she met the. There you go. Hood rat, hood rat. Indeed. Hood rat, hood rat, hoot your mama. See, she gets happy. She sings songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Man, we'll, we'll roll out while you rate these films. Uh, I'll uh, I'll kick it to you, X. Um, tell the folks, who, what are we we're recovering, and who'd you choose, sir? <laughs> um, I went back to a classic which is not something that I normally do, but I went to um, I went to Jaws actually uh, because okay, if you ask most people who the bad guy is in Jaws, they will laugh at you and they will say it's not a guy, it's a shark. And on one level, that makes sense, you know, because the shark eats dogs, it eats kids, it eats you know drunk, naked hippie chicks. So yeah, okay, bad guy, bad animal guy thing. But I think real fans of this movie know that the real bad guy of this movie is Mayor Larry Vaughn, played by Murray Hamilton. Um, This guy's a piece of shit. At the beginning, it seems like he's really kind of this dedicated civil servant. He's trying to make sure that there's not a panic in town. He doesn't want people to get, you know, overly freaked out. But you realize pretty quickly that he's like just a garbage human being. That same desire that he has to govern the town ends up being this shield that he hides behind. Um, He's the one who keeps the beaches open 
in the face of overwhelming evidence that there's a fucking great white hanging that, you know, hanging around offshore. And not only that, his worst moment is when he forces people to get into the water. He notices no one's swimming. Now, does he get in? Fuck no. He just bullies terrified families into the ocean so it looks like everyone's having a fantastic time. Now, it's a, it's, it's a tourist town, and I get that. I lived in a tourist town for a couple of decades, so I know how this, I know how this stuff works, and it happens all the time in real life where people that are in power make decisions to kind of benefit the people who are broadening the tax base as opposed to the people who are just regular citizens who get the, get the shaft. I think there's always room in movies for a bureaucratic villain, but I think since 75, they've all been based on Mayor Vaughn. He's a piece of work. He's got a fucking ugly suit jacket every time you see him, and I hate him. He represents... What every- you talking about? That anchor suit is badass. <laughs> He represents all the problems I have with authority. He's just a self-serving, wishy-washy shitheel who gives no fucks about the rest of the people and would rather feed them to the sharks than admit he was wrong. He just runs all over me, and I never trusted Mary Hamilton after that. Especially in Jaws 2, where he should have fucking known better. (laughs) Oh my god. Jamie, I, I know this is like one of your favorite things in the world. How do you feel about this? This is my favorite film in the entire world. And uh, I, I I can see where X is coming from here. Like this dude is, uh, he's kind of an ass. I mean, I do love the scene that you mentioned where he forces the family to go into the water. And it's it looks like they're walking to their death. I mean, they're all just in a line. <laughs> holding hands, walking down to the beach like they're going to, you know, uh, gas chamber the look of the um, woman's face when they hit the water is just mortifying yeah yeah um and he you know that scene where i guess i don't know are we supposed to feel sorry for him where he's like you know my kids my kids were on the beach too I'm like yeah but your kids weren't in the fucking water you know you didn't make you didn't go in the water you didn't make your family go in the water you know and he's like i'm just trying to look out for the interest of this town well you know what's in the best interest of this town not feeding the tourists to a big fucking shark that's probably (laughs) what's in the best interest for this town right on um and you're absolutely right about characters being um molded after him after this and of course after jaws there was a shit ton of of nature run amok films and uh it was either you know grizzly or uh, all kinds of animals that like i mean it just went no piranha they were just yeah, Dick Miller is Murray Hamilton and Piranha for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Any animal that you can think of has chewed on some townspeople after Jaws came out. And there's always, always a dickhead guy in a position of power that can stop it but refuses for some stupid-ass reason. And it's usually, you know... Um, and whenever we're watching a movie like that, you know, when it comes time for them to show up, I'm like, oh, oh he's not going to close the beaches. I don't, I don't care if the movie's about, you know, <laughs> killer porcupines. I'm like, oh, look, they're not going to close the beaches because, you know, it's Fourth of July weekend. And, 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 and there's always there's always some reason and there's always either a town fair or something that they just won't stop. Um, and they are. Yeah. I mean, it's all because of Murray Hamilton, his 
all because of this role. This is, there had to be, I even wrote an article about how to write a creature feature several years ago. And it was like basically a step-by-step, this is how you write a successful creature feature. And it was just sort of like a tongue-in-cheek article. But I said, you have to have, uh, you basically have to have a Murray Hamilton. You have to have someone in charge who refuses to, stop something that's going on when they know that they can save people's lives because it's in their best interest to keep it going. And, um, he is, uh, yeah, he's a shit. He's a, he's a total shit. Um, I mean, cause any normal person, wouldn't you, even if you didn't completely believe that that was what was going on, wouldn't you like to check it out to be sure before you sent people out there? It seems you'd want to um, cross ref that. Yeah. They did catch that one shark, and you know he didn't want pieces of that kitter boy all over the all over the deck. You know, well, again, and completely irresponsible. Um, if you want to do the responsible thing, you know, you want to be sure. We all want to be sure. Um, yet he didn't want to be sure. Uh, you know, he, 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 after he, all, he, amity he, does mean friendship. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and those we, guys just want to get their name in the National Geographic. That's caught all. Caught and killed a large predator. <laughs> lovely oh but yeah I, I think that's an interesting choice i don't think anyone re- people on the whole don't think about how villainous he really is in this film but uh so good eye and good choice um i was really interested to see where you were going with this when i saw jaws was your choice i was like what who who who, who? <laughs> and then i saw murray hamilton i was like oh <laughs> okay I get it. I get it. Yeah, Murray Hamilton. Before I knew who Murray Hamilton was, uh, was was a dickhead to me before Jaws came out. But before I even saw Jaws, because I, I was a Twilight Zone. I still am a Twilight Zone fanatic. I still think it's one of the best television shows on TV. And there's an episode where early, early episode, maybe like the, the third episode, called "One for the Angels," where he plays Death, and he. Uh, He's there to collect Edwin's soul, basically. And Edwin is a is a pitchman. He's a salesman, and he convinces Death to to miss his appointment. So he takes it out on a little girl, a little neighborhood girl, instead. So he's he's been a dick for a long time for me. <laughs> and then I found the same person. Like, yep, Death, this guy, double dick. And you know, did he um, <laughs> double dick to the, the two headed dick for sure? You know, um, maybe he's despicable. He, he he doesn't have any like you know he's he's thinking about them tourism dollars which you know if you like you can you can say they they rely on these and they the townsfolk make it apparent that you know if you close down the beaches for one day you're gonna lose all this money you're gonna lose all this money and twenty four hours is like three weeks yes fuck up their homes and fuck up their shops and yada 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 and you whatever there there's there's a shark on the beach and apparently you can you can transport it into ponds and attack children and. Eat, eat little Kittner boys and, you know, the, the Kittner boy. That's that's the part that got me when the Kittner mom popped up and just slapping the chief in the face. And he's like, you know what? She's wrong. Yeah, no shit. She should have said something to that asshole, you know? <laughs> yeah, she should have slapped the fucking mayor is what she should have done. But, you know, I, I always I always hated that scene. I'm like, it's always wrong. It's wrong. She slapped the wrong guy. Um but uh, yeah, I, I honestly though Murray Hamilton, like I wasn't crazy about him in The Graduate. Um, I wasn't crazy about him, and um, oh, there's something else. I don't know. I think he just was born to play a dick. Is <laughs> like he's good at it. Typecast. 
you know? Oh my god. I'm trying to think of something where he was a where he was a good guy or a guy that I really liked, and I can't. Huh. Yeah, nothing oh, really boy. pops to mind. <laughs> so he's they they chose the right guy. They did indeed. And actually, I agree that was a great choice for uh, your villainous type person. But I think we'll shoot into um, what would have been Johnny's choice, and it's still it's still Johnny's choice, which is a film called Bad Dreams, which features Dean Cameron. I would have chosen somebody else myself to be the 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 dickhead of this film, but uh, that's that's me. That's his that's his journey. But uh, if you guys have never seen Bad Dreams, it's basically about a. Uh, a girl who escapes a Jim Jones type cult and goes into a coma for 13 years and wakes up in a mental hospital. This girl is played by Jennifer Rubin, who you may know from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. She's back in the hospital, folks, again. It, yeah, with it, some bad dreams. With some bad dreams. It's kind of the same movie in a lot of ways. It's, yeah. it, it's very similar, and it, it just <laughs> allotted it. But uh, this this film features uh, Richard Lynch. Uh, it's a Lynch film, guys. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, E.G. Daly, who I think is still very cute, even when she's batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean yeah. Cameron. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Dean Cameron. Uh, Harris Eulin, who <laughs> is an actor I've never liked since he yelled at the Ghostbusters. You know? <laughs> um. Yeah, and then yeah, the girl wakes up in the hospital, and some some she starts to see the cult leader that she escaped all those years ago, played by Richard Lynch, either with his wonderful quaff or melty faced, and he's supposedly killing off these different people that she's meets in this mental hospital one by one, a la Freddy Krueger style, in in a way because this this makes a lot of comparisons to to Nightmare on Elm Street in my opinion because he's essentially her boogeyman, and uh. Doing doing bad stuff supposedly because the conclusion we get at the end of this film is uh, it says otherwise or does it? But um, yeah, my 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 bad choice in this film would be Harris Eulin because of what you get in the end, which is the twist. Which if you haven't seen the film before, but he he uh, basically messes with their medication to make them all fucking go crazy, and that was the big twist of the film. And and then the very end happens, and then it's all crazy pants from there. But I'm going to kick it to X, and what do you think, uh, who would, would be your, your bad fellow in this movie? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. First of all, I, I think this movie is a lot better than I remembered it being. You know, I saw it when it first came out, so it's been a, been a couple of years. Um, I totally forgot. I forgot. I, I forgot Bruce Abbott. I'm sorry from Reanimators in this movie as well. I was just about to say that, and that's actually kind of it's kind of a distraction. When he's on screen, because I think, oh, God, what's Dean Halsey going to say when he finds out about all this shit? But then I remember Dean Halsey was in a padded room, you know, with an undead lobotomy scar in his head, and everything's fine. Um, he's probably just down the hall. He probably is. Um, yeah, Dean Cameron, right? Isn't he kind of like the low-rent Lenny Van Dolan? I mean, uh, <laughs> I was telling Gary while I was watching it that I hope he fell in love with his computer and ended up with his bathrobe pockets full of cream corn. <laughs> I, you know, that I make a little hole scene. That's, that's creepy as hell. But like I said at the beginning, everyone in this movie is crazy. There's no reason to trust anybody. E.G. Daly's nuts. The chick who used to be the reporter, she's nuts. It's just, I don't know. Camera might've been the most obvious 
loon ball, but you know what? Fuck it, hot damn! This movie is this movie is fraught with danger. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it's really hard to pick. I mean, Harris Yulin to me is the obvious choice. Yeah, but I don't know. It's 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 really hard to choose. I just was surprised by how much I ended up really liking this movie. There's this one moment, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there's this one moment where Jennifer Rubin is having a bad dream and she wakes up in the front yard in front of the cult house. And that shot looks just like the Andrew Wyeth painting, Christina's world. It's a really weird, um, callback. It's not even a callback. It's just a nice artistic touch that you don't really expect from, you know, basically a low budget B grade horror flick. So there's some thought behind this. There's some work here. I don't think it's just a, it's not just an Elm Street ripoff. It's got some good stuff going for it. But yeah, I think everybody's just fucking nuts, and I don't trust anybody anymore. There's some great Elm Street ripoffs, like direct ripoffs in the film. I think there's a scene, I can't recall the scene, but there's a scene where somebody's running through the hospital, and I swear it's almost the same exact music as when Kristen in, in part three is running with, with the corpse with the corpse girl, you know, through the hallway. That that same kind of like dee, 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 dee. I can't do the score, but it's like it's like really fast paced, really fast paced running music that they use in that that particular scene where she's having her first nightmare and she's running with the dead girl through through the Freddy's house and it's not just like that. It fucking Roger Rabbit shows up in this movie too as the guy that, that works in the pharmacy, but uh, he's not doing no dream uh, analysis or anything though. <laughs> And uh, there's there's other stuff too because Richard Lynch is so so Kruger it's not even funny. Well, well he, even he, down to the burns, you know. Yeah. Was he making bad but, puns through the film? I must. Uh, no, but that's 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 the best part about it is though the, the, at this time when this was made, people were were well, I don't know how I, I don't complain so much about it, but this is when Freddie became all jokey and shit. Right. But Lynch was playing like totally straight, which was fine. Which, which could tell me that he could be what if, you know, he became, he, he was Freddy Krueger instead of England to see what, what, what would that be like, you know? I, I don't know. That's just me. Less makeup. Thinking. Less, definitely less makeup. He's got the scars already. <laughs> but, JV, uh, what do you think? Uh, who's your who's your, your bad dream in this one? <laughs> well, I, um, I also find it interesting, and I really want to know why Johnny chose Dean Cameron for this. Um, now, I do think it's clear that he's uh, he's pretty psycho. Um, uh, there's some really nice scenes with him too, like when he puts the knife straight through his palm, and uh, then and you know when he has his uh, end. Um, I did. I had forgotten how brutal some of the some of the deaths were in this film and I think and some of it was sadly off screen like I really would have liked to have seen the fan death um yes. although we get the aftermath of that which is gloriously gory um just the the poor maintenance guy being showered in guts which is uh, fantastic um but I, I do I I think it's handled really well uh I don't know, though, why him. I guess maybe because you're used to seeing, you know, him in things like summer school and ski school and all the schools. And um, he usually Rocks. plays this, like, goofy, uh, sidekicky guy. You know, I mean, I don't I mean, like, he's always like the just the, the like a frat boy, you know, and um, he still kind of is until he makes that churn. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's clear he's a rich kid because he you know, he talks about that a lot. Um, but I, I, you know, I I really want to know. I want to know. I can't wait to hear the uh, the reasoning behind that because I'm curious. But I, uh, I on as far as E.G. Daly goes, I felt really sorry for her character. I wasn't. Um, she was so sweet. Like it just, it broke my heart when Jennifer Rubin was so mean to her. And then I was like, Oh, how sad. And then Susan Rattan. Oh my God. Susan Rattan was hilarious when the, the one chick who kept making the predictions and she's like, he's going to get you. And Susan Rattan's like, shithead. Um, (laughs) that was just (laughs) awesome. Uh, I love all the characters in this. I love how varied they are, how just they're crazy. It's kind of all over the place. Um, Dan, uh, Dan, um, what is his name? What's his real, you guys just said it. Um, yeah, Bruce Abbott. Thank you. Um, I did not remember him being in this film. This is just weird. There's a lot I did not remember about this film and I did not see that coming because we actually, we had this on Blu-ray because it it was a double release with visiting hours and we have this and we haven't watched it since I've been up here. So, uh, I was looking forward to this. Like, oh, I've never seen this on Blu-ray. Well, it's a damn good thing I watched it because there's a lot of – I was like, oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Um, I forgot about Bruce Abbott. And I was like, holy shit. I I don't recall ever even seeing him in anything else other than – because just whenever I think of him, I think of Reanimator. But um, anyway, I'm all over the place. I, I – really like this movie though um more than i remembered liking it um i remember thinking it was good but it was way better than i than i thought and um yeah i'm still i'm just i'm really anxious to see uh, my choice uh, i don't know i mean harris yulin was the i i think he's clearly the asshole here but i I don't know if it would make me change the way I feel about him. I, I don't really think any of these people would make me change the way I feel about them after seeing this. Um, Jamie's but, choice is random black cop who's angry all the time. <laughs> oh, my God. But Cy Richardson. Put gasoline on the bibbis. <laughs> I'm going to find out what this bitch done. She the burnt them bibbis. The best thing in the world. The best thing in the world is his reaction when she – tosses him off the roof at the end of the movie and he just shrugs and turns around and walks away. He's just like, eh. <laughs> All of this was like, like shaking his hands and saying, well, case closed. Saw this you know. coming. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of that chapter. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a fun movie. I'm curious to see what Johnny has to say, but I, I'm going to, if I had to wager a guess, I would think it was because, that's just Dean Cameron, or at least I'm used to seeing Dean Cameron in very different roles. So mm-hmm. maybe that, and he did it very convincingly. Like he was, you know, I thought he was a really good psychotic. Oh yeah. Well, you mentioned the, him stabbing the knife through his hand. It just, you didn't see it coming. Cause he was kind of like goofy throughout the film. Like he, he always yeah. is. Also, he just, he's like, yep, he's fucked now. He's possessed by, by uh, Richard Lynch or something, you know? <laughs> And he doesn't even really react. I mean, he's just like, uh, and then he's like, oh, look at that. You know? <laughs> like, look what i done. Damn it. <laughs> call me. Oh, I'm going to go into, to Emo Phillips. Call me Mr. Butterfingers. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Bad Dreams is this. It was a pretty sweet film. That it was a first time watch for me as well. And uh, it's pretty good. And it's got a good fuck you ending. Like, you know what, your psychosis will never end. So here you go. You know? 
Oh my god. But uh, yeah, my film, the film that Jamie said made her cry, and, you know, and I'm so glad that I got this shared with with my co-host because this was a film that I've seen a bunch, of, but they, they they've never seen. I chose the Cowboys from 1972, starring uh, one John Wayne, and uh, the, my my uh, villain for, for life, and for for very good reason, being uh, Mr. Bruce Stern, who's in this movie playing a character only known as Long Hair. Uh, why you ask? Uh, well, basically, the plot the plot synopsis of the Cowboys is John Wayne, uh, sullied by people who don't want to work because of the gold rush, is forced to take on young boys as his ranch hands to go on a cattle drive. Well, Bruce Dern is uh, upset because John Wayne wouldn't hire them, so he pursues them on this cattle drive and proceeds to beat up these young boys and try to drown these young boys and threaten to kill these young boys and then kill the Duke. And then the Cowboys properly dispatch of him and his motley crew. Um, I love this film, but I'm, I'm curious what, what you guys thought about it. Jamie, what did you think about it, girl? Well, I really, really loved it. The It was, first of all, news to me that there was a John Wayne film that I had never seen. I seriously thought I had seen them all because uh, I grew up on John John Wayne. I was always a huge fan. I even had a <laughs> a John Wayne clock on my wall when I was like, I don't know, nine. Um, that Which is a bizarre thing, I know, for a nine-year-old, but whatever. He was right up there with the unicorn pictures and the, uh, and the Ricky Schroeder poster. But um, <laughs> I... Um, you were an interesting kid. I, it, that's one word for it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've always loved him. I, cause, and it was because I was raised by my grandfather, so he was a big John Wayne fan, so we used to watch John Wayne movies all together. And every single time, once I moved away from home, every single time I would go back to visit him, there was a John Wayne movie on TV for, uh, for the next 20 years when I would go visit him. I'd walk in and he's watching a John Wayne movie on TV. So it was just, it was a, I don't know, like a special thing for us. And I, I love John Wayne. I love Westerns in general. So it really surprised me that this is this was out there. Not only had I never seen it, I didn't even know it existed. So it's, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, so when you, when you mentioned it, I was happy. Cause I'm like, Oh good. Now I'm going to go watch this movie. I've never seen. Well, then I enjoy the shit out of it. Like I, I really did, and uh, I love the John Wayne character. He's very funny. Um, the kids—I mean, the kids were popping up. Like Robert Carradine was popping up. A young A. Martinez was pop. I mean, just it just people were coming out of the woodwork. Slim Pickens was in this, and um, I can't even. There's so many. Oh, um, Farnsworth, Dick Farnsworth—is that his name? Um, I mean, just people just left and right, and of course Bruce Dern, and. He did a really good job playing a shit heel, um, but that scene where they face off and they have the fist fight, uh, I love that scene because John Wayne is—he's uh, old. He's like, I broke my back. I broke, you know, I broke my. What do you say? Broke I broke my hip my, twice. Broke my hip twice, and on my worst day, I can still mess you up. And and so they get into this fight, and fucking Bruce Dern can't even fight against this old man without. Whipping out a gun. I'm like, you are an ass. You really are. Like, I just, just, just get, take your beat down like you know you deserve and uh, move on. And then, of course, um, 
it ends poorly for John Wayne, and I was all upset about that. And I was, but what happens after that is what really touched me because the boys uh, who have grown to love him like a father, even though they called him a, a, a mean son of a bitch through a, a good chunk of the film. Uh, one thing I did learn, though, is that if you have a stutter, all you need is someone to scream at you, and it'll just magically go away. That is apparently the cure for stutter is have John Wayne scream in your face. <laughs> but Say um, it again. You're a mean son of a bitch. Say it faster. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they grew to love him and respect him, and when uh, this shit went down, they weren't taking it anymore. They were going to finish the job. And boy, did they finish the job in an extremely brutal fashion, which I also really enjoyed. Um, I, I And that touched me. I, I just, I, so I was crying. And Brian's like, are you upset because John Wayne died? I'm like, well, yeah, but mainly I'm just proud of the boys. You know, and, and I was. I was so proud of the boys. And then at the very end, they get his, um, they get a tombstone for him and they go back and they're, they're going to take it and they're going to put it on his grave and they can't find his fucking grave. And they're like, yeah, that's close enough. And uh, they just stick it in the spot. And I was like, what the hell movie? You know, I mean, come on, you just depressed the shit out of me with what's happening here. And you're going to drive the drive the knife in deeper and twist it just by not how, having them find his actual grave. I mean, give me something. Uh, I was really upset by that. That was just like, fuck you, movie. Um, well, well, that the fact that he has a wife back home that they lost uh, her two sons. And oh now, they're, now, now her husband is lost somewhere in the desert or in, in the in the forest somewhere, you know, wherever they buried him. Oh, you got, uh, the implications of all that just breaks my heart. And then the little boy that gets killed on the drive, uh, it just, it's really, it was, it was way more hardcore than I was expecting it to be because children were involved. And that honestly may be why I never saw it because maybe it wasn't in rotation, uh, because it was kind of brutal. You know, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, for whatever reason, this never crossed my path. And uh, the only thing I can think of is that it was fairly brutal to have children involved. And they didn't pull any punches with that. And uh, I love it for that. This is a really, really fun movie. And, well, fun and sad and heartwarming. And I just, just it's all of the things that it should be. I really loved it. And so thank you for introducing me to it. Beautiful. X, what'd you think, sir? I feel kind of the opposite. Um, (laughs) But I should explain this. (laughs) That's great. Go ahead. I think Bruce Stern's great. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Bruce Stern. He's just one of those great utility actors you know he can play comedy he can play crazy next door neighbor he was the romantic lead in at least one movie i can think of i'm looking at you middle-aged crazy um but what it's when he goes fucking crazy-eyed psycho i think that people really appreciate him the best he may out of this whole show he may be the guy that i hate the most maybe even more than mayor vaughn and the reason for that is, well, you know, when he first comes on the scene, he's so polite, you know, and he's got his hat in his hand. He's looking down at the ground. You know, he's being all all beta dog. But when he finds that kid with the glasses and 
basically just threatens and manipulates that kid so much into keeping his secret that his gang is following John Wayne and, and the kids that that resonates with me. And that makes me just absolutely furious, which I know that's the job of a villain is for you not to like him, but this, that uh, it's almost, you can like, you can just see those emotional scars forming and the kid doesn't tell. And if he had said something, you know, the whole, path the whole story arc would have been completely different but just having that adult figure manipulate that child and seeing that that's really hard for me to watch so when it comes down to the end after after you know Bruce Turn kills John Wayne and the kids go back after long hair and his gang it's pretty much lord of the horses isn't it i mean you got a lot of kids killing a lot of people, and I understand that the, that you know it's a revenge flick, and that's a complete different you know subgenre all its own. But it didn't feel honorable to me, and I think it does. I think it feels that way for for you guys, and I'm not sure why it doesn't for me. It doesn't feel honorable. It doesn't feel completely justified. I mean, yeah, they should have done something to him. They should have fucked him up. Some, at least gotten the cattle back. But holy shit. I mean, that I, that's some predator shit going on. I, th- I think what it broke down to was that the, the, t- the time they're in, the whole gold rush thing where everybody was looking, nobody was finding shit. This was Will Anderson's, like, meal ticket. This was, like, his big buddy meal ticket for however long he was going to feed his, his wife and himself and this is their meal ticket as well because they were promised fifty, 50 silver bucks, dollars yeah. to yeah fifty bucks, which is a lot of cake back in them days, you know, to to help to help their families because there's even that whole goodbye. Didn't me, I'd where... kill a bitch over fifty bucks now. I don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that even even when they never do like their whole good, almost like they're going to summer camp. Like it's time to go be a man, boy. You know, it's almost like, go get that cake, boy. Your family needs it. And it, it, I'm sure okay. it's kind of true. Okay. You know, you know what? You're helping me drill down on this. This is, this is what I th- why I think it bothers me. I think if they had just killed Bruce Dern, that would have been enough. Because the way Hollywood thinks, you know, with, with gangs, you know, you kill the head, the body dies. You get rid of the gang leader, all everybody else is going to just go back home because they're lackeys, they're cowards. They didn't have to fucking Sergeant York everybody in Longhair's gang. They could have, uh, they could have just I got, nah, I, I, they would have just gotten him. Everybody else would have been like, oh, shit, we don't have a leader, we're just... We don't know what to did do they, now. Did they kill everybody? They were, they were more detaining people than killing people, I think. I think they, they were No, they were killing they, the shit out of them. Like the, the, the very first one, they rope when they rope him around the neck and he gets yanked off the horse, A. Martinez goes to stab him and realizes he's already dead. And he's like, eh, all right. And then they just uh, they put on their clothes like it's a Frosted Mini Wheats commercial and then go... <laughs> Then go, which is I swear. Oh, did you guys see the link I sent? It was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's what it reminded me of because they're like these kids are then putting on these guys' clothes. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna blend. No one's gonna, no one's gonna notice. I'm like, oh, who's well, that, he's wearing. Who's that vision <laughs> around the horse? I don't know. <laughs> he's wearing the ja- He's wearing his jacket. Must be him. Sounds, um, le- sounds legit. Yes, indeed. I guess he washed himself in hot. He shrank too much. Um, <laughs> but uh, it. 
anyway, yeah, I mean, they are very callous and very cold about this whole thing. But uh, honestly, I can't blame them. I mean, we you also have to think about, I guess, time period as far as when they are there. Most of them are practically men at this point, uh, if you going by uh, how life was at the time. And, you know, this these dudes, they're all equally culpable, you know, whether Bruce Dern is the is the head of the gang or not. None of these guys ever stood up and said, hey, don't fuck with them. They're kids. Nobody ever stood up and said, hey, don't kill this guy. That's wrong. Nobody stood up and said, let's not rustle this cattle because this is their livelihood. They didn't give a shit. They were in it for They were in it just as much as Bruce Dern was. He just happened to be the ugly head in front. So. Uh, I think they're all equally culpable, and they all deserve it, and I don't have any issue with that at all. Oh, I'm just God. kind of a hardcore bitch, I guess. I I... <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Get your ass back across 8 Mile. <laughs> I don't know. You fuck with me and mine, and that's the attitude that I then adopt. Well, and, and I do too, so I, underst- I understand I, your point of view on that. I do. Oh my god! Yeah, me myself. We're all like that. I think Gary. You know, Gary is very, uh, very protective when it comes to the things like that too. We all have that sort of mentality. It's like, look, you, you cross the line. Gary's protective of us, Jamie. Not to mention his family. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that, very, very that. much so. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I mean, he's like, uh, yeah, he's a dangerous dude. You want? Shit. <laughs> Oh, me myself, I saw this when I was nine with, with my father. My father loved John Wayne films. I hated John Wayne films, but this is one that I watched a bunch because it involves young bucking boys doing things that, you know, I wish I could do, like rope cattle and, you know, shoot guns and dispatch bad guys. So it was very entertaining, especially now that I know that John Williams did the score and then now they know that how scores play a role in a film, and this this film is no exception. The score made it really exciting, and it, it kept it kept me in along with all these crazy rope and montages, and you know all that stuff. And when Bruce Stern came into the picture to to sully things up, like yeah, this guy's bad news. He's he's gonna pick up my, my my cowboys, and that that's not cool. And it wasn't cool, especially when I was nine years old, and I seen him just sticking that kid's face in the river trying to drown him. It's like, you better oh, not man. kill, son yeah, of a that bitch. Was, that was rough. I did not know John Williams did the score for this. It sounded very Kenneth Copeland-ish to me. Um, is that his name, Kenneth? That's or Aaron. Is that Kenneth is the televangelist. Aaron, oh, Kenneth is the televangelist. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, now, we, now we know the difference. Yeah, anyway, it sounded very Copelandish to me. You know, like the, you know, what's the name of that? The Beef What's for Dinner song. You know that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, that, you know what I'm talking about? I'm just laughing because you mentioned the Beef is What's for Dinner song. You just yeah, because. The cattle drive. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie must be hungry. She's mentioned Frosted Mini Wheats and Beef. <laughs> Things that may go together, if you ask Jeffrey X. Martin, I don't know, but, you know. Put some peanut butter on oh, that man, shit. there's peanut butter on <laughs> Peanut butter and cheese. Oh, there's lots lots of stuff to love about this film. And uh, one of the characters we did mention that Jamie, <laughs> Jamie, I know she loves him, is our our, norm, our, our uh, noble black uh, 
uh, Ch- Chow Cook on, on on the range there, Roscoe man. Lee oh, Brown. Brown, yeah, I love it. He has always reminded me of Scrooge McDuck. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but when I was a kid, uh, I used to see him. What was he in when I was a kid? I used to see him all the time in something. Anyway, and he. It was that it was the head, I think, or his haircut. You know how it was like balding, like he had that horseshoe balding thing going on, and for some reason, and he was just very, he was very, uh, very classical in his speaking, like he was classically trained. It just uh, he had an air about him, and for some reason, he always reminded me of Scrooge McDuck. I don't know why, but um, anyway, I do. I love his character. I love. Uh, um, so many things uh, about this movie that you would never be able to do today. Um, but uh, like have young boys talk to horrors that they work out of a buggy. Yeah, which are, honestly, what was the point of that? Because I mean, it really didn't go anywhere, and nothing it, happened. It gave, and it it gave me one of, one of my favorite scenes ever is him just smooth talking to Madam. So if anything, it well, gave me that. You know, I guess I just I just didn't really see what it did toward the arc of the story on the whole, I mean, um, except just give a reason to introduce some women. I don't know. I mean, the, the kids minute. got drunk. They killed a bunch of people. They should have gotten laid while they were at it. Yeah, I love that drunk scene too. Uh, when uh, when John Wayne and Roscoe Lee Brown are just in the bushes, kind of watching the kids get. Well, that sounded dirty, but um, oh, that's okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, he is a he is a fantastic character in the scene where the kids are fascinated by him because they've never seen a black person before. Um, I think that is just a really cool scene where he's like, you know, they're like, is everything black? And he's like, yep. And they're like, even your and he's like, yep. And they're like, I told you he was just like us. Except uh, for that color. Like, Except for that color. <laughs> Oh, and then at the end, when the well, when they're drunk, at the end of the drunk, when the kids are wandering off, and he's like, "You ever notice how pink the palms of his hands are? It's kind of pretty." I mean, <laughs> I a, do love that line. I do. Yeah, I mean, in a slightly misguided way, it's very sweet. It's it, their relationship with him is very sweet, and um, you know, again, time period, and it, not just when it's set, but time period in which it was made. Um, well, you know, his black ass cooks better than her mama's do. That's what they say anyway. You know? <laughs> that black son of a bitch cooks better than my mama. <laughs> see, every time I see Roscoe Lee Brown, though, I always think of him as Box from Logan's Run. The big silver robot. <laughs> that was him. So was I, that him? Yes. Yeah, so, I didn't. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah. So, you know, he's playing a oh. cook in this movie, and I keep thinking, fish, plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. <laughs> Is that the chicken of the sea? <laughs> uh, Is this chicken or fish? Jesus. So, forget the apples, slap some bacon on some biscuits, and let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. One slash for steam and two because that's how your mother did it. Mama used to do it, yeah. They're burning, they're burning daylight, man. They had to go. Shit. That son of a bitch tells me I'm burning daylight one more time. <laughs> they say son of a bitch a lot. <laughs> it, it does. It, those, those kids have foul mouths for sure, you know. The bad, oh my the God. bad news bears on horses. It is, it is in a really wonderful way, you know. But I, I, I love the fuck out of this film. And like I said, Bruce Stern. And don't get me wrong, I like Bruce Stern films. I've seen Dingstown probably like six times in the past year, just just because it's there and, and I watch it. And uh, the Burbs is a favorite. 
You know, everybody, everybody loves the Burbs, but yep, yep. because because of this film, because of this particular role, if I seen Bruce Stern walking down the street, I'd probably walk the other way. I'd probably walk the other way. I go, oh, Bruce Stern, this esteemed actor, like no Bruce Stern, guy who abuses ranch hands. Okay, <laughs> I got I got to go. Yeah, I can kind of get behind that. <laughs> oh my god. But um, we had no guests this time around, so we will not play who scowls it anyway, which is, you know, is either disappointing or not disappointing. But um, that's pretty much the end of what we're going to do with this show, and uh, we're going to move on, and we're going to close out the show after this break. Hello? Hello. Who is this? Who are you trying to reach? Oh, I think you've got the wrong number. Do I? I'm going to hang up. Wait, don't hang up. What's that noise? Popcorn? You're making popcorn. Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn when I listen to podcasts. I'm about to listen to a podcast. Oh, really? Which one? Probably the podcast on Haunted Hill. Is that the one with the two guys with the beards? Uh, yeah, Dan and Gav. Most episodes, they look at two different horror movies. Each episode, they look at a world of the strange, where they look at weird things from around the world. Sometimes, they even do special episodes where they look at different genres or directors' discographies and talk about them. Do you have a boyfriend? Maybe. So where can I find the podcast on Haunted Hill? Well, you can go to legionpodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, or just go into iTunes and search for the podcast on Haunted Hill. So, are you going to ask me out? Hi, I'm John Cross. You may know me from the internet. <laughs> then again, you may not. I've been asked by the incomparable Mo Porn from that famous podcasting institution, Drunk on VHS, to say a few words in promotion of his show and drunkonvhs.com as it's coming back to the internet and we're all really thrilled. I'm not quite sure why Mo couldn't do it himself, but there it is. It's not like I was busy or anything. In fact, I lie around my apartment in just my Power Ranger underpants waiting for his lordship Mo Porn to set me a task that only ultimately benefits him. Clearly he had other far more pressing matters to attend to. Maybe he was doing a series of pictograms depicting his favourite bacon-based stains. Who knows? It's Mo. He could be cataloguing the number of appearances of a dwarf's nipple from a black-and-white underground abuse movie of the 1960s. He could be lining up his Burt Reynolds video covers in order of ludicrous facial poses and wig status. Clearly it's much easier if I stop everything I'm doing, audiobooks, interviewing Robert Davy performing acts of pleasure on a photograph of Miami Bialik, the actress from Blossom, to tell you all that Drunk on VHS is back. Follow Drunk on VHS on Facebook, Twitter, and read articles and listen to brand new shows every week on drunkonvhs.com. <sighs> now leave me alone, Mo. Well, <clears throat> unless you need me to guest, in which case I'm your man. <laughs> Hello. Have you ever heard of MSK 3000? Yeah, well, we ain't them. But we are movie fans who like to drink and talk shit about our favorite movies. So join me, your host, Nudie, along with my co-host, Jake the Snake, and special guest stars as we dissect our favorite, or maybe not-so-favorite movies, on the NFW Podcast, otherwise known as No Fucking Way. You can catch us on Heartophilia, and also at NFW underscore podcast on Twitter, or NFWpodcast at yahoo.com. Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme! Ah, Chinema. Porkies? Meatballs, too? Enjoy your crap fest. <laughs>
I'll go read the bell jar, you poser. Klaus, prepare to feast your eyes on the majestic grandeur of the silver screen. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational. Perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark! I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Guess they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the running man. He's playing for a prize. The prize is his life. How about the life? The running man. this man. Maybe you've seen some of his commercials. Hello, I'm Chuck Todan. Are you tired of being burglarized? Try the new Electro Zappy Fence. <laughs> yes, our ties are made of the strongest material that won't rip, tear, or stretch. We hope you haven't been offended by our little joke. Of course you know who he is. It's time for Live or Die. Nine three seven two. How you feeling? I'm a little nervous, Chuck. Before you lose your head, we'll give you a chance to win some money for your family. Well, I never thought he'd amount to anything. Here we go. Welcome to the wonderful world of Death Row Game Show. Anyone on Death Row can be a contestant, man or woman, young or old. I do not discriminate. <laughs> you killed my mom. She was pretty old anyway. There are people out there who hate me. There are people in here who hate you, too. That man had a gun! So does this man. Chuck, do you, do you ever have sex with your contestants before they go on your show? The name of this segment is Hunger or Lust. You made it! What a display of willpower! Mind over mercy, Chuck. I'm proud of you! Death and convicts are beginning to take their toll on me. Oh, but the show is you. 8981, can you hear me? Oh, I can't find any release forms on this convict either. Chuck Todan wants you to die laughing. Notice how flies gather around 8364, the untreated corpse, but 2275, the corpse braid with fly be gone, is fly free. Death Row Game Show, a once in a lifetime experience. That's very good. Hello, I'm Dr. Cosmo McKinley. I'd like to tell you about a new film from the gang that gave you the Rocky Horror Show. Shock treatment. 
Pathetically crazy about shock treatment. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's been the show, guys, for for now. But I have a special announcement because I've been trying to get some uh, some extra content out there to fill out the month. And one of those uh, special contents is I, I, I decided to to uh, explore. Not just Klaus Kinski and, and Richard Lynch, but one of the sleaziest sleazies uh, that have ever touched the silver screen. We keep talking about bad people in these, these films. Is uh, Mr. Mr. James Spader, and I, I watched the New Kids recently, and this is what inspired this because the New Kids is a film. If you guys don't know, is directed by Friday Thirteenth Zone, Sean S. Cunningham, and he plays a really deplorable character, like he does in a lot of films, but. There's a point in that film where two-thirds he just turns into, like, fun and games, and then he just goes full spader, like, full tilt. But he starts rubbing blood on Lori Laughlin's thighs and shit like that, and just as you get it mauled by a pit bull. And I'm like, okay, this took a turn that, you know, you think I feel like that was going to go, but it inspired me to uh, see what else spader has going on, because I know there's a lot of sleazy roles he's played. So if you're interested in doing some sleazy spader shows, we'll probably do one or two a show. It's like a little side thing for the month and uh i think it could be a lot of fun so yeah james spader <laughs> don't forget wolf don't forget wolf no no uh but um yeah miss mr jeffrey x martin what have you got coming up sir uh let's see as always you can catch me on kiss the goat with my lovely co-host cootie and our other co-host chef alan mcpherson we're just trucking on, man. We'll have a new episode out 
probably here in a couple of weeks, we're doing uh, Psychomania, which I always thought was the spiritual sequel to Quadrophenia. So lots of British bikers and undead satanic people and things going on. Uh, let's see. So far, it looks like I'll have a new book out in April and one out in December. So look for those. Buy the shit out of those, please, because, you know, that's food for me. There, that, that's it. That's what there. Yeah. Okay. Jamie. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we are going to be recording the uh, our end of the year best of 2016 ABCs. Uh, so that should be coming out very soon. And... Uh, like I said, Liking It will be coming back this month. And uh, Evil Episodes, uh, we're going to be recording one coming this upcoming week, I think. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we are continuing our Masters of Horror retrospective among the usual television wrap-up that we do. We talk about all the horror on TV. So there's that. And I think that might about all I'm doing at the moment... Unless I've forgotten something, in which case I will be very upset. But uh, that's all I can think of at the moment. So I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, me, myself, uh, this show you listen to, and Two Drink Venom commentaries are both on the Legion feed, legionpodcast.com, and uh, also Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, which today today is Eric Bergstrom's birthday. So he's in my co- one of my co-hosts on that show. So happy birthday, sir. Happy birthday, Elvis. Happy birthday, David Bowie, as well, you know. And Larry Storch, of all people, I read that somewhere. That's really strange. 94 years old today. Holy shit. Larry Storch is still alive? He's still alive, yes. Uh, There's still hope for an F-Troop reboot then. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, besides that, you know, again, I I mentioned this this Humane Society auction thing is is coming. It's going to come this April after I go to C2E2 and pick up a couple more things to, to put in the auction. But today I, I, I found a pretty sweet item at the pawn shop, so yeah, look for that. Or you have to fight Suzanne tooth and nail for it, but uh, she might not come to your house. But then again, she might, I don't, I don't know, that girl's crazy for that fucking movie. But um, yeah, that's happening. I got some s- sweet stuff so far to throw in there, and you guys can uh, check it out. And all the money goes to uh, the Chicago Heights uh, no-kill shelter here in the Chicago Heights, Illinois. South Suburban Animal Hot South Suburban Animal Hot Animal I forget what it's called. It's, it's South Suburban something or other, but it's in Chicago Heights, Illinois. So if you guys want to look it up, it's there. It's a no kill shelter. They work hard there. They need money for blankets and food and all kinds of stuff for the the puppies and the kitties that they, they take care of there and they do a noble work. So I, I enjoy my animals. I know Jamie's an animal lover too as well, with her twenty seven cats. Quite, yeah. <laughs> Not quite twenty-seven cats, though. Getting there. She got getting there. Twenty-three is the count, you know. <laughs> she she has a dog as well now. She inherited a dog. Yeah, um, that was a good girl. Yeah, but uh, Twitter GW at uh, some beef casts as well. Um, come join the Facebook group. Uh, iTunes feedback is always appreciated. If you gave us a review let me know if i haven't looked lately i apologize and um you yeah, always support legion podcast either there bo is uh doing his best to, to make this a thing and blow us up so do your part by blowing us up too and uh this is where i'll leave you and uh, here at the Beef podcast if you got the beef we've got the grinder see you next time
nothing but a small child. If he was a fish, boy, I'd throw you back. Hey, boys, look you here. Look what I found. Look around, meet the boys. Ah, uh, looks like he surprised us. We surprised you too, though, didn't we, boy? Huh? You know better than to scream out now, don't you? Huh? What's the matter with you, son? You're looking at me like I had two heads. <laughs> <laughs> You're wondering where I came from, ain't you? Huh? You know, we've been tracking you for days. What do you got to say to that? I can't hear you, son. I can't hear you, son. I don't see nothing. You're a quiet boy. If I had a prize, I'd give it to you, boy. I like quiet boys. You're a quiet boy. I'm gonna let you loose. Let you point your ears now, son. Because you ain't running back to Mr. Will Anderson with them eyes rolling back in your head, telling him that there's these real bad men that been following us day and night. You're not gonna say that. You think you're gonna raise a big commotion and get congratulated for it, and they're gonna pat you on the head and tell you what a good boy you've been. That's not gonna do you any good, son. You know why? Huh? Are you listening to me, careful boy? You know why? Because I'm gonna come to you some night when it's real dark. I'm gonna come to you on tiptoe. So you ain't never gonna be able to hear me. And I'm gonna come to you with a knife freshly sharpened on a stone. Ah, ah, ow. And I'm gonna cut you a grin down here on your neck. It's gonna run clear across to there. Do I make myself clear, boy? Do I make myself clear, boy? Uh, uh.